Hey guys, welcome to the Tim Bowen Show. I hope you're doing fantastic. All right, I got something special for you today. Something very serendipitous happened. I have been saying for quite a while now, talk, I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the podcast, but I've been talking about it with friends and, and my co-hosts behind the scene, people that I've had on the show, saying, you know, I'm really getting tired of just talking to people in my bubble. It's great. I love it. Love talking to, preaching to the choir. The choir needs to be preached at sometimes, you know, of course. Um, and I, I don't mind doing that. But every now and then, um, I, I want to have a constructive dialogue with someone I, I deeply disagree with. Uh, what would that look like? You know, we look at all the conflict going on in the world right now, the violence, Palestine, uh, Israel, Ukraine, Russia, uh, it goes on and on. You know, the root cause of that is an inability to communicate constructively. Well, if we can't do that in our own personal lives, how can we do it at the political level? And so I've been trying to figure out, how am I going to do this? How am I going to practice constructive conflict if I don't have anyone to debate with, to, to disagree with? And... Um, you know, it seems very hard to get people from that, that I disagree with to come on my show. You know, there's a lot of suspicion or like, is this a one-upmanship or whatever. But as I'm thinking about this and, and literally as that morning, I was having a conversation with my buddy about how I'm trying to figure out how to do conflicting or disagreeing podcasts, debates, shift into that space. Because I don't think there is that space right now. Right now, what you see out there is just people trying to club each other over the head and, and make each other look bad. And it doesn't seem like those conversations go anywhere. They're entertaining. They, they're fun. I, I enjoy doing them sometimes. But what I'm really thirsty for is a healthy, civil conversation. And I was talking about this with a friend. And lo and behold, someone reached out to me on uh, on my page, on my the Tim Moen Show page, and said, hey... Um, you know, he, he was kind of tentative. He's like, I'm a little nervous about this. Or uh, that was kind of the tone of his message. But I, uh, I have this idea. I want to have constructive dialogue with someone uh, who I disagree with. I want to try to find a, see if we could find some common ground or, or just be civil. And I'm a communist. And, uh, you know, um, uh, yeah, I could tell there was a bit of nerves there. But we reached out. Uh, I said, I love it. This is serendipitous. And so, uh, guys, please welcome with to the Tim Moen Show, Billy Bob, Billy Bob the Communist. There he is. <laughs> that, maybe that's a disparaging way to describe someone. I don't, you know, I probably wouldn't like Tim the Libertarian very much. Although that's what uh, that's what my son calls me quite often. Uh, our Netflix account has me as the Libertarian. It's not Dad. It's the Libertarian. So <laughs> labels. Am I right? Um, Billy Bob, tell me a little bit about why you you reached out. Why'd you reach out to me? Oh, great introduction, Tim. I mean, um, so I've been in involved with debates, you know, on Facebook, um, you know, communist, libertarian, capitalism, socialism, these kinds of things. And the level of discourse just is not satisfying. Uh, the, the intellectual integrity that goes on in those places is non-existent. Um, yeah. So I, I've been thinking for a while, myself that, you know, there's got to be a way to um, have these kinds of discussions in a more satisfying adult way 
where, you know, we're not attacking each other, where we're not out to make the other person look bad or feel bad or win. It's not about winning. Um, you know, communication is like it's hard enough to just identify what your point is and to say it. Uh, you know, that's that's hard enough to to convey a, an idea. Um, and we don't need, you know, other other obstacles like, you know, uh, you know, uh, not having intellectual integrity is can be an obstacle to to these kinds of discussions. So yeah. it's been a long time and I've been trying to get people to, to, um, to, to talk with me, like, you know, uh, like what we're doing here. I, 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 it's not easy to find people that are willing to do that. So, um, I, I did see you on YouTube and you, you seem like a, a great rational individual and somebody that's interested and thoughtful in these kinds of discussions. Like it's stimulating yeah. to you. Yeah. It's entertaining for you. And that's it's, same with me. Like these kinds of discussions I feel are important and maybe even more importantly, they interest me. I'm excited about them. I want to share them. And that way, it, maybe it's like a religion. You know, these poor religious folks, not to disparage, disparage religious folks. But, um, I mean, I was brought up religious. Um, but, you know, they have this um, compunction to, is that a word? I don't know. Uh, to, yeah. to share what their, um, what their ideas are and and get other people to think like them and you know right. I, I honestly say i have the same problem i'm afflicted that same same problem yeah. but i think that you know my beliefs are based on you know rational coherent thoughtful analysis and and i think that's that that the reality of that is missed on a lot of people um mm. on on the right um right well I, I i'm already seeing similarities here billy bob because i had the same type of thing a religious upbringing and then a switch to uh trying to derive beliefs that were based on rationality reason evidence um it's interesting that we kind of had a similar path I, I don't know was it was it for you uh, like i always struggled with with uh my faith growing up right it, it was always like i'm having a hard time wrapping my head around some of these things that are teaching me in sunday school and in church you know i, I don't you know and and at the same time i was also taught that capital t truth is all important right because w w your beliefs aligning up with the nature of reality determine whether you go to the good place or suffer an eternal torment and so that instilled in me a hunger to be like, I need to make sure my beliefs are on point because this has consequences. And so a lot of where, uh, who I am today, I blame on a traumatic childhood in a lot of ways, but I'm also thankful for it because, you know, I, I'm kind of happy that I, I developed an insatiable pursuit of the truth. Um, and at the same time, Billy, I, I, um, I, I, I guess, associate or sympathize or, or relate, that's a better word, to your uh, desire to proselytize, to preach the gospel of the good news you have there, Billy, because uh, that's the same as me. You know, my my mom always taught me to preach the gospel, and that's what God wants you to do. Well, when, as I lost my faith, I turned to proselytizing whatever it is I believe in now. And so that's a big part of what I do. So I just wanted to to, to put a pin on that and say, look, there's a lot of similarities here already in terms of where we're going. So kudos to me for reaching out to you because you seem like the, the perfect person for me to reach out to. So I, I again, I really appreciate the opportunity and- Hey, and Billy, maybe God is at, at work here, huh? <laughs> right. Wouldn't it be That's funny right. if we both dropped our ideologies and just became Christians and said, yeah. Born, <laughs> no, born okay. again, born Sorry. agains. Yeah. Westboro Baptist, 
born agains. There we go. Was, <laughs> they were a little, they're a little uh, on the radical side. The yeah, they're pretty on the radical side, but we're radical people, Billy. So that's kind of probably that's where true. we're going to go, right? That's true. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, I so, so I, yeah, so I, I got get now a little bit about why you, you reached out to me. So it sounds like your journey was kind of similar to mine. It was like, um, searching for kind of a rational way to make sense of the world. Right. And, you know, you, you've been taught this kind of what appeared to be irrational way of looking at the world in your childhood through religion. It all came by magic and there's talking snakes and this, and there's miracles that are magic tricks. Um, but now it's like, okay, as the Bible says, I'm putting away childish things. Now that I'm a man, I need to come up with a rational way of looking at the world. And is, is that somewhat what happened to you, Billy? Um, you know, I never really questioned my religious upbringing. I wasn't even okay. capable of questioning any of that. I started questioning um, political things before I was able to question religious things. Oh, okay. Uh, I was probably 19 or 20, and I happened upon a book um, called like um, Israel and Palestine for Beginners or something to that effect. Hmm. And I just read it, and it was very persuasive, and it just persuaded me that the ideas and uh, the thoughts that I had about the Israel-Palestine issue, not based on any kind of um, actual de determination to do any research, but just on passively absorbing what's out there in the eco chamber, um, right. I, I was totally wrong about that issue. And so that was hmm. the first kind of awakening I had that, you know, there's some force out there wanting me to think things that are not necessarily true. And that was that was about all I got out of that. So I, I mean, Israel Palestine was the issue I first first cut my teeth on, and then you know it's been a, a multi multi decade process. I'm nearly fifty, and um, you know that was back when I was like nineteen or twenty. I read that book, um, and it's only been in the last you know decade or so that I've um, you know am fine with calling myself a communist, but uh, not 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 a Western communist, not the typical. Mm -hmm communists that you see on <laughs> right. you know that you know socialist communists like i mean that's a whole nother that's a whole issue about you know what what is the com what you know that's that's right whole sure so so let, let me just so it's clear in my mind you don't identify with uh, kind of woke blue-haired uh social justice um communists that that the right loves to lampoon and and make fun of is that Fair no, to that's say, a or? good point. So, a culture you know, like communism is not about cultural liberalism or cultural conservatism. I mean, communism was right. started, you know, Karl Marx, um, Lenin, Stalin. Sure. I mean, these weren't these weren't blue-haired um, people, and they had no. a lot of backwards ideas about about culture. Um, and like sure. everybody, I, I mean, I, I saw this meme. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's like communist today communist yesterday and it it shows like today this like this blue-haired social justice type weakling and then of yesterday and you know stalinist uh a nationalist uh wrestles bears in the ural mountains like just the figure of masculinity right the, the exact thought someone that a conservative today might identify very strongly with like patriotism to the fatherland uh you know and and willing to fight for his uh his uh nation and, and stuff like that so I, I remember you making this point with manual a couple days ago oh okay awesome i, I watched that program so you're um, the guy that watched it that and you made a similar point so no um and i agree with that like um i think you know the, again the idea of what communism is i think there's 
you know, there's an idea that I embrace, which is probably different from the idea that most libertarians have in their mind about communism and what most self-identified Western communists would have about communism. I think that's um, that's true, which makes maybe makes this less interesting because I know people would probably want to hear from the from the whack job Western communists that, yeah. um, you know, are the blue haired uh, 40 genders kind of thing. But to me, yeah. well, someone absolutely... would love to see me just destroy one of those people. You know, I could put up a thumbnail. It could be clickbaity. Tim Moen destroys blue haired <laughs> communists savagely, you know, and I could I could drive some uh, some algorithmic uh, increases to my uh, <laughs> to my social medias. But uh, of course, that's not what we're doing here, Billy. And that's uh, that's what neither of us have any desire to do. Um Okay, but before we get into, uh, like, I want to explore this with you, and and I suspect, you know, again, my primary goal here isn't necessarily to debate you or change your mind or have my mind changed, although I'm open to that. Uh, I'm really interested in figuring out for myself how to have a civil debate, how to how to move forward with it, right? Too, and and feel like you're getting somewhere and not like just leaving the, the the room in exasperation and frustration. I can't get through his block, stubborn skull um, and, and go from there. So I suspect that this might uh, be the first of several episodes. Like at some point, I suspect I'll want to start debating you and, and figuring out how to disagree uh, in a way that's, that's respectful and, and might actually have a chance of changing your mind. And you might have a chance of changing my mind. Cause as I said before the show, I suspect one of us is devastatingly wrong. And it could be me. If I'm the wrong one, I need to be changed. And I need to approach the conversation with that level of openness if I expect the same level of openness from my debating partner, my conversation partner here. So that's one one principle that that I think I want to try to come into these conversations with is, is that openness to the willingness to be change my mind if given uh, reason and evidence. Um, I, I also want to make sure that you, as the guest on my platform, certainly on my channel, has the respect of not feeling um, not feeling uncomfortable or uh, or or diminished in any way as a person. Okay, I might challenge your beliefs, but I don't want to ever diminish, diminish you or call into question you as a person or your character or anything like that. I want you to be a comfortable guest. This is I'm hosting you. I feel like I'm hosting a guest here and I I, I want to try to be respectful. And so if, if I'm crossing the line at any point, uh, please let me know if you're feeling uncomfortable or, or, or anything like that. Uh, what what are your thoughts in terms of how these conversations go forward about how to how how do you what are some of the principles here or the the ways we can have a like what do you want to get out of this I guess so I mean for starters like you said I kind of want to model um, appropriate productive um, satisfying discussion to to the best of our ability um, and just so you know other people watching have an idea about how to engage appropriately with people they disagree with like that's that's number one because I see there's a lot of real bad faith, worthless kind of interaction going on, um, you know, between the, the different ideologies. And that's on both sides. Also, mm -hmm. I mean, the whole point is to enjoy ourselves, 
And I think if we enjoy ourselves, uh, the audience might enjoy, you know, enjoy it too. So, um, right. you know, I, I, I'm very, I'm not thin skinned and I doubt there's anything you could say. Um, I think I was on, it's interesting. I'm not sure if you've heard of these folks. I was invited on and they were, they were pretty, <clears throat> pretty mean. Um, what was their name? Uh, shoot. Uh, Fakertarians, Fakertarians. Okay, that rings a bell. Something like that, and there was like there was like a panel of four of them or five oh, of them boy. and me, and they were just you know they were just on attack mode. Uh, why do you defend ruthless dictators? And I, I still had a good time, and right, I could right. you know I tried my best to hold my own, but um, so so you know having fun's important, and uh, this is th these. Yeah, and, uh, by the way, th those Fakertarians, I think I know who you're talking about. Um, I used to kind of follow that page, but they they uh were they were just bad spirited bad energy people they they would attack people that i really like and that that agree with that that were libertarians they should have been on the same side even and they were they're were attacking them and I, you know i just uh, that energy that um it's not for me i i, I look for constructive uh paths forward not that kind of uh click yeah, i mean definitely not constructive i mean that's a definite legitimate criticism yeah. Of those guys, of those guys. They're young um, and not sure. principled and, you know, yeah. they're, they're just having, trying to have fun, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah uh, seriousness, you know, they're not serious. And so right. like, I, I'm serious about, um, you know, my, um, you know, conceptual framework, which I think best explains, you know, history and contemporary reality. And, and I think that fact, I think, I think, um, I think that needs to be understood. Like I want, you know, everyone to understand things in the way I do. And then, and then once you do that, you might be able to sharpen my understanding. But mm. I see a lot of people thinking they're going to sharpen my understanding right. um, out of ignorance. And it's like, okay, well, you're not persuasive at all. Like I'm open to right. changing my mind to being, you know, but guess what? After, you know, 48 years, the facts my understanding of them has led me to this, you know, conceptual framework and mm -hmm. you don't have a clue what that is. So why are, you know, what you're, right. what you're saying to me doesn't come anywhere close to being persuasive. Right. So, right. You're, you're attacking, attacking a straw man yeah, um, that you've built up of me. Right. And, and I, I think that this is a super important point and I really want the audience to pay attention to what Billy just said there. He closed off his mind to people that straw manned him that were uh arguing against him in bad faith that were uh purporting to to assuming they knew billy's frame of reference his arguments his reason his logic um his understanding they assumed that they knew everything about that and therefore uh, and they were way off, right, Billy? And so that turned you completely off. It's like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not even in this conversation. You're in this conversation with the straw man you created, and I'm just observing it. And what do I do here, right? Yeah, no, I mean that's the kind of thing repeatedly over and over again on a daily yeah. basis that that, <laughs> that I'm engaging with on Facebook, um, and, right. and it's not satisfying after a while. And and you know, you 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 have this desire to you know, to experience a little bit more than that kind of, that kind of, um, engagement and discourse. So, um, so yeah, I'm I just, think, I'm just writing this yeah. down right now because what I'm trying to do here, 
I have this idea of trying to capture like more than having this debate. What's interesting to me is how to have this conversation, like more, more than who's going to have the better arguments or come out winning or whatever. Uh, if that's a thing, what's more interesting to me is how do we even have these conversations where we're moving forward and what does moving forward even mean? Right. And, and I think we're getting somewhere now because this is a super important point you brought up. This is what we call uh, straw manning versus steel manning, right? Have you heard of steel manning? Yeah. Yeah. And so my goal here as your so-called opponent uh, or, or your interlocutor in, in this conversation is to understand your position as good or maybe even try to understand it even better than you do before I... Uh, criticize it and argue against it. And so to me, that's a very important component of having a civil debate. Like, I don't want you attacking a straw man of me. A lot of people have this idea of libertarians. Oh, you don't care about anyone. You're selfish. That's why you're a libertarian. You just want everything for yourself. You don't care about oppressed people, marginalized people. You have no empathy. You, you know, there's all these straw mans all the time. And of course, those people are never going to convince me of anything because they they don't know me. They don't know you know, my heart and, and my charity and my empathy and, and how I am in my personal life and what I care about, and what drives, uh, you know, my feelings and, and different things like that. So, and, and they don't understand my philosophy either. So, um, yeah. you know, for them to poo poo it and dismiss it and laugh at it or, or, you know, attack a straw man of it and think they've gotten somewhere and, and, you know, that it doesn't impress me much as Shania Twain would say. Um, <laughs> okay. So steel manning, um, I want to write down a couple other things to, uh, respect the guest. Okay. That's important. And I, I said one other thing at the beginning too, I think I can't remember what else. Um, but also the idea of getting somewhere in this conversation to me means Billy that, um, that we advance at least if we don't change our mind, at least we advance our understanding of the other person's position. That would be a win for me. If I could understand your position better, I feel like I'm advancing that, that this conversation is moving forward. So I, I think that's going to be a, a kind of a metric of success as well. And I think it's important to define these metrics and define what we want to get out of these conversations because I think a lot of times we go into conversations, especially on Facebook, and I'm guilty as sin of this, is I start, you know, something triggers me and I just start batting someone over the head with reason and logic and this fact and that fact. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, what, what, what is my goal here? What am I trying to do by doing this? Am I just like intellectually masturbating myself? Am I trying to persuade this person? Because if I am, I'm doing a shit job of it. Am I like... Why am I in this conversation with this person? Why am I expending this time and energy away from my family? Because someone's wrong on Facebook to <laughs> angrily type this out. And, and at the end of the day, there's not a good reason. There's no good. There's, so, so I really want to be purposeful and conscious of the reason why we're in this conversation and, and what, what it's doing. And I mean, I, I experienced the same frustration, obviously, um, on, on Facebook and the same thing. And I kind of rationalize it. Like, I think, um, you know, I might not be, um, my facts might not be compelling to this particular person. 
but I, I lie to myself and I tell me there's a lot of lurkers that are being right totally right. brought on board by my masterful efforts. At right, right. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I, I tell myself that too. I'm like, okay, this isn't for that person. It's for the audience, you know, the yeah. audience. And that I guess, I don't know. I guess there's something to that. Like sometimes articulating a message to the choir uh, emboldens them and, and gives them a, you know, hope. And there, I don't know if you've ever seen this essay. And I, I go back to this essay quite a bit. It's, it's by Albert J. Nock. It's from the thirties. It's called Isaiah's job. And uh, basically uh, you know, he's talking to this um, this rising star in the political world in Europe. And I can't remember who it was, but um, the, the guys like I, I have, or he's not a rising star. He's a guy that's got it all figured out, right? He's like one of us. He's figured it all out. If, if the rest of the world would just adopt this and see how good my ideas are, I would fix everything. And, uh, and so he goes to knock and says, look, I've got this idea. And knocks like, well, that's a, that's a real hell of an idea. Um, he, and he's, so the guy's like, well, how, how do I implement this? Like, what do I do? And knock tells him the story of Isaiah. He's like, well, let me tell you the story of Isaiah. Isaiah, uh, had a prophecy to give, I can't remember the, who the people were, but he's, he was like the God told Isaiah to go out and preach this to the people. He's like, I want you to tell them that they got to change from their evil ways or there's going to be hell to pay. And you got to do this and that to tell them this and that. And he's like, okay, okay. And God added, I got to tell you something. No one's going to listen to you, but you need to go out there and do it anyway. Well, why am I doing this? If no one's going to listen to me, he said, there's a remnant out there, a remnant that will hear your message that already believes what you believe, but they will be emboldened by it. And those are the people that are going to rebuild society when calamity takes it away. And so those are the people that you're, you're preaching to. And so I often tell myself what I'm doing here is preaching to the remnant and, and the people that are going to be left when, but. Um, yeah, no, that's good. The, the other thing I was going to say, um, as far as, um, you know, what, what I want out of it. I mean, ultimately I think that the, the geopolitical changes that are currently taking place are going to, um, you know, really maybe shake society up a bit. And I think um, it's important that, you know, we do our best that, um, you know, people aren't led astray by whatever false narratives that they're going to be shoving down our throats. And I know libertarians are typically, you know, working class individuals like myself, the, the same interests, right? Um, right? So I guess that's debatable. I mean, yeah. But but no, I mean I think that we all want you know access to. No, I mean that, that's the same thing. That's the same thing I see too, Billy. Is look, there there are uh, nefarious forces at work. Uh, things are crumbling. This is a tenuous uh, civilization that we have, and um, you know we need to be aware of these forces and know how to counteract them. Yeah, and I, I would suspect you or you agree with that, but you probably have a different idea of what those forces are and how to counteract yeah. them. But but yeah, what, what so far you know. So good. We want that awareness. Okay. So steel manning uh, metric. Okay. Well, maybe we should, we should dive in. We're about half hour in. We've kind of laid some of the groundwork and we're probably going to learn some more things here. It will, you know, I suspect we're going to come up, come up against um, some obstacles to having a constructive conversation. I don't know what they are, but maybe one of us gets frustrated or one of us just can't, uh, and and so we'll have to figure out 
how to do that. I, I'm hoping to learn and refine how to have these conversations and practice so that, um, you know, I get better at it so that I can proselytize. And hey, wouldn't it be a great coup if I could convert old Billy Bob to libertarianism or vice versa, right? That would be a real feather in our caps, wouldn't it? <laughs> but that's not my goal here. That's yeah, at the end of the day, I, I'm just hoping to learn a bit more. So anything else before we get going and just dive into your beliefs and um, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm impressed, Tim. You're an impressive individual, your, your thoughtfulness. So, you know, I, I want to be, I want you to convert me. You know what I'm oh. saying? I'm ready. All right. All right. But Prepare to be gotta, baptized, brother. You gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta make a persuasive argument. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, well, let's, let's dive in. I appreciate those words about me. You know, I, I, I I'm not, Hey, this is another thing. Hey, feed feed your interlocutor's ego. It makes it softens them. It lowers their shields. My shields are down. Feel like I'm <laughs> um, okay. So we'll dive into your your beliefs, and I'll probably have a lot of questions about them. And and like I said, we're already half hour in. I suspect you know I'm coming off a night shift, so I don't know how my cognitive bandwidth is or how much information I can absorb. So that's okay. We'll have more more episodes and more discussions and we'll work our way through this. And as long as it's getting us somewhere, as long as we're learning and as long as we're. What, what about um, Tim, just like from your basic understanding of communism, like what do you think is the biggest, you know, how would you articulate the biggest concern that you have that, that makes us different? Like that our ideologies are just not like, can you come up with like sure. one big thing? And, and, and maybe that's a good way to start just so right. I know like what you're thinking and, and how, you know, these just are not incompatible and how, what I'm thinking is just nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I well, I, I'm not sure that it's nuts. I, I, there's certainly some things I sympathize with. Um, you know, my, I'll give you a little history. My, uh, great grandfather, great grandparents actually fled. Were branded kulaks in Soviet Russia as under Stalin's regime, and they they fled, barely got out with their lives. And it was because they worked really hard, and they built up a, uh, they hacked a a farm out of uh, the southern Siberian wilderness, and and made it productive. And and they were, you know, they were generous. And I remember, you know, I've got my great grandfather's memoirs actually, and it, it just. Like it's just a journal of him talking about day-to-day -day life through this time period. It's it's fascinating to actually see this time period kind of brought to life in a very personal story about how it was literally affecting someone on the ground. And so the thing the thing I share with my great grandfather is this kind of empathetic idea of to each according to their need, from each according to their ability, right? And and that that appealed to my uh, great grandfather's Mennonite Christian sensibilities of being charitable. I mean, the Bible commands us to be charitable and that's, that's a good thing. Um, you know, and then things kind of fell off the rails because, uh, you know, they, of course they were branded kulaks because they were flourishing maybe more than some other people. And then as people started to suffer more and they, they demanded more and more from them, they, they saw the way that things were going and next thing you know, guns are coming out and more stringent demands were being made by the, the communist party. And, and, um, they saw the writing on the wall and got out just in time. The rest of the family uh, died in, in work camps. Um, 
so you know that's coloring a little bit about of my background from communism because i heard these stories growing up uh to some degree right so I, I didn't understand what they were talking about. I'm just, you know, sound bad man, communism, bad thing. Um, so th there was pr there's probably a little bit of bias coming into this conversation. I'm going to put up front there based on, on those stories. Um, but, but philosophically or practically, I, I would say, I'm tr just trying to pin down a specific thing that I, th I think a lot of it has to do with rivalrous or scarce resources and how to resolve conflict around them and who owns or controls what and what's a universalizable principle around that and you know so for example the idea that uh, i hear from some communists and some left libertarians is uh, rent is theft right so uh, i provide a room in my place for someone and they pay me some money and somehow I'm stealing from them. Well, it, it, theft is a violent act and you can counteract violent acts with protective force, with violence. You know, if someone's trying to steal from me, um, I can use force to stop them and I can use as much force as necessary to stop them. You know, I can escalate, you know, it's got to be proportionate, but as much as is necessary to stop that, I, I believe I can do that. So the the natural sort of consequence of of believing that something like a consensual voluntary relationship of me renting a room or renting a property to someone is theft means that they can use violence against me uh, because I'm using violence against them by renting them something. And so so this is where I, I, in my brain. Um, I worry about the violence associated with communism and, and, and I mean, that, that might be a good place to start off if, if sure. that's where um, we want to go. You know, kudos to you again for, you know, even, um, you know, entertaining this discussion. I mean, given your, your historical background. So if you had family members that actually were victims, I'll, I'll use the word victims of the uh, Soviet government. Um, I've met a lot of people like that. And they're very flippant with me, and I'm very sure. flippant back. Um, and yeah. so, again, my my, I, I need to appreciate the humanity there. But there is a context within which is all important, right? The context within which these actual things happened is is all important. And I think if one understands the context, um, one cannot you don't really say justify, but you understand, you know, what happened and why. And sure. and you could always you could even say it's unfortunate that, that happened, but that I still supported Stalin in upgrading and modernizing the agricultural system, which was prone to famines, repeated famines every time the weather was bad over and over again. I mean, there was multiple famines in the you know 1920s, another one in 1930s, and he tried to work with the the landowners and the people who were benefiting from this backwards. Um, decrepit agricultural system that wasn't adequate to support, um, you know, the country. And so he had no choice and he tried to work with them. And, and um, so this is, this is my right. understanding of that context. And so of course yeah. um, there's blame. And, 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 around, if, the, and but, if that's true, yeah. um, 
uh, I guess where my mind's going at then, like I, I try to look at everything where way my mind works, Billy, is I try to look at everything through kind of first principles and, and understand why. Okay. So what right did Stalin have to do this? Like, did anyone have that right? Or was it just Stalin? And where did he get that right from? Um, and that sort of thing, right? Yeah. So, okay. So you, that's another thing I wanted to address was, um, you know, you want these universal principles. Yeah. And, um, you know, so to me, I am always denouncing and, um, you know, um, arguing against this um, uh, liberal effort to develop a universal principle. Because I think that's foolish. I okay. think that it it really doesn't um, help us to to understand reality. So I think that the context is all important. Right. And there's no such thing as a universal principle that is going to apply no matter the context. So we do, have do to... You, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Just I'm to sorry. clarify that, is there... Yeah. So I'm trying to understand then if... Like how... What, is, is there any like place of truth or groundedness that that you're operating from or is it just kind of whatever is pragmatic i don't know if that's the right word how do you measure if something's just or not against what do you measure that or or is justice so, even uh something no. you think of and these are deep philosophical things and we can go back to yeah. you know the but i think i think that's where we need to go because sure. I, like um you know my libertarianism yeah. At least as I understand it, in my belief, it comes from that deep place. Like, um, and 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 so uh, I need to understand what what the measuring stick is here. Um, and and so I, I think we need. I I, I want to understand what yours is, so I can better understand where yeah. you're coming from. Um, I mean, you know, basically speaking, I mean, you know, common. Um, common sense understandings of morality and justice. Um, and so what does that mean? Um, again, it depends on the context. So you have to understand the context before you can um, pretend to have, a, a, have a, a good understanding of what the just thing to do or what the moral thing to do. So, you know, if we're going to, you know, apply this universalized yeah. non-aggression principle, you know, the man with the life preserver on the side of the um, sure, can can demand that the drowning man pay him, you know, everything he is worth before he shows it, and that's perfectly normal. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, to me, the context matters, and I, I would condemn the man that is right. not violating the the non-aggression principle by demanding that the market, you know, can can maintain that this life preserve is worth everything you have, motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Right. So. Right. Um, would you so, advocate shooting that man and taking his life preserver to give to the drowning man? Uh, I would definitely wrestle him for it. I would hope, um, you know, if he was refusing to save that person, um, you know, I, I don't know if I'd kill him, but I'd definitely try right. and take it from him and save that, save that guy. Um, so, 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 yeah, but, but that's the context that we're talking about to me, right? Because, you know, what we're, what, we're doing here is we're saying okay context matters like that guy should give give him the the life preserver that would be the right thing to do he he's a repugnant person if he doesn't and he's a repugnant person if he demands money 
Yeah. But, but does uh, that does that does that suggest that maybe a universal approach isn't appropriate? Well, I I, I guess uh, what I mean by universal is trying to get drilled down to the core principle here. So in in the same way that common law courts would would try to derive principles of justice by resolving disputes that would come before the courts and they would build up a body of laws based on precedent right did this was this a just um outcome or what did it go off the rails and what what and, and over time they would they would hone in closer and closer on what the principles of justice are they never get there a hundred percent but they're aiming for it right and so um you know so so you're right and of course context matters in these things, but there's still a principle to be derived, even if there's context around that principle, right? So, so a, a common one that's often used, for example, in libertarian circles to kind of dismiss libertarians um, is uh, we, we have a property owner next to me and I shine a light on his property. Is that a problem? Am I violating his property rights? Well, probably not if it's a reflection, but at some point, if it's a a million kilowatt laser, it is causing property damage. Now, where on that spectrum between a reflection to a million kilowatt laser is he precisely violating that neighbor's rights? And that's very difficult for a libertarian to answer other than to say it's on there somewhere. There's there's a band. And, and over time, we can probably narrow down based on context of past precedents, uh, judgments, how they turned out, whether they 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 get come closer and closer to something that can be universally applied is how I would describe a principle of justice, done, right? And so all of those kinds of things. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyways, so uh, we kind of jumped into to context, but but you know, I, I kind of want to understand um, that. So you said, okay, Stalin did these things. Um, you're not excusing them, but there was historical context around it that helps you understand why he was doing it, or maybe even why it's necessary. In the same way, you might um, might say, "Okay, it's horrific what Hamas did, uh, what they reportedly did, which was uh, massacre a bunch of innocent people." Um, but you could also understand the context in which they're living and how that might motivate. Uh, blowback and libertarians are often talking about this, especially with regards to to foreign policy. Right? Is like, okay, there was some terrorist attacks in Canada. Where um, after Harper announced that we're bombing Libya, uh, two terrorist attacks that that killed people and shot up Parliament. Um, and th this was uh, sorry, I don't know if you you you're I forgot you're American. Uh, Harper joined Hillary's bombing of. Libya and, and deposing of Gaddafi. And then we immediately, when he made that decision, uh, we had terrorist attacks in Canada that killed people. And yeah, these, ter these terrorists um, uh, cited that decision as their motivation. Now, those terrorists are guilty. They're criminals. Uh, but we can also say at the same time that they're criminals, that there was some context around what they did, right? There was things that the government yeah. did over here that um, made it more likely that there was going to be these kind of motivations for people to do these things. And so we can also, while condemning the terrorists, condemn the government. So there's context and context does matter. And libertarians are always preaching that as well. Um, but um, 
th- there's also principles by which we judge that context and judge the actions that emerge from that context. Would you yeah, agree with I, that or I, no? I, I would agree with that. And I'm not sure, you know, my moral principles or my um, uh, pr- principles of justice are, would right. be too different than anybody else's. Um, you know, I, um, I, I doubt they're, they're much different. Um, I, 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 ref- I, I don't get into this universalist liberal approach where, Hey, I, I support free speech as an on principle, period. And that's not true. There's always person, sure. place, or time restraints. Yeah. There's all kinds of considerations. So it's, it's, yeah. it's you know. And, and, and I agree with you. And this is why. And, and the reason I don't agree with uh, free speech as a right, for example, is because it is too broad. It, it, it's, not, yeah. it's not precise enough. It's like... Um, it, it needs to be narrowed down. And, and so, you know, uh, to me, a free speech is just a property, right? It's like at my table, you don't have free speech. You can't insult my wife. You can't, you know, be rude. I'm going to kick you off my property. That's my right to do. Uh, but also I can say whatever the hell I want on my property in my own domain without you touching my stuff, taking my stuff or laying a hand on me. So the same right that allows me to kick you off my property allows me to, to keep you away from my property when I'm saying stuff. So it, it ultimately well, what, comes down what, to what property, right? And that's your... that's much more precise. Now you can get what into about... the you, you can get into, I guess, the the what are the edges of property or how do you determine property and all that kind of thing. Maybe I'll do that on your show. But uh, my only point here is there there is a line somewhere there. To say that yeah. there's no line or that it's wishy-washy or however I feel, I think that's wrong. And I don't think you'd agree with that. So I think I think you'd agree that there's a line somewhere um, that, that you generally refer to when you look at something happening in history and you either agree with it or disagree with it or you support it or say that was bad. You, you judge things as good or bad. And there's a standard by that you have, whether it's conscious or not, by how you how you judge those things. Would that be fair? No, of course. Um, I, I was going to make the point about, you know, what if your property is a platform of mass communication? I mean, does that give you the right to just spam subversive lies into society? So so that's that's my issue with freedom of speech. Like freedom of speech doesn't really exist in the United States. They say they do as a liberal, you know, a liberal right. But then all the all the platforms of mass communication and even increasingly alternative media are tightly controlled and regulated. So they don't yeah. allow just any kind of speech on there. So the, the wealthy get their say. And sure. those of us who disagree with them are marginalized. So that's yeah. not free speech. And, and, I, and, I'm not and Billy Bob, those uh, I, just to uh, like drive home your point too, I agree with you. It's the it's the ruling elite, it, it, the establishment elite um, zeitgeist, if you support that. You get to say say your piece on these things because they are byproducts of that elite system, right? What you might call the capitalist system, what I might call the oligopolist or crony capitalist system or corporatist system, um, whatever we call that or you know disagree on, it's that elite ruling class system that is determining um, who gets to speak. And guys like you and me, our speech is limited compared to those that are in good with but the system. They also promote this idea of liberal universal rights, you know, the right yeah. to free speech. And then they not only don't um, actually, you know, you know, uh, you know, 
do that thing. They don't actually allow free speech, but then they use those rights to attack other countries who are competitors or you know rivals and say, oh, look at them. They don't allow free speech like we allow free speech. Yeah. And then they turn yeah. everybody here. So I think this whole idea of championing universal rights mm -hmm. outside of the reality of class struggle and oppositional class interests and how the ruling class, the wealthy elite, you know, creates paradigms in people's minds of, oh, yeah, I I, sub I, I like rights. I'm, I'm for human rights. I'm for yeah. speech and all those things. Yeah, we, we have them here. We're free. So that's really what I'm getting at. So this, yeah, yeah. this whole libertarian ethos mm. of we're for freedom, you talk about something a little too broadly defined, like freedom yeah. for who, freedom yep. for who to do what. So let's yeah. get to Let's yeah, no, and, and listen, I, I actually agree with that. I, I agree with that point wholly. Um, you know, I think the idea of universal human rights was by and large a bad idea. And so that's not what I mean by universal principle. I, I mean what Chomsky means in that anything that that is, I think he said something like anything that is moral has to be universal. Like it has to be, you know, so, but but to me, rights are uh, are a bad concept. They've been um, it's like, there are these things that you get, there are these positive things. You have the right to healthcare. Well, what does that mean? That means I have to provide you. I'm a paramedic. Does that mean I, or, you know, I have to provide you with healthcare, like at gunpoint, um, or I'm violating your rights. Um, well, no. So, so to me, um, I use the right, the word rights as a stand in, cause it's kind of colloquial language for, uh, a negative, obligation or or put another way you don't have the right is what i normally mean like you don't have the right to sit at my table and say those words you don't have the right to take my property because i said some stuff now um the the idea of you don't have the right to take my property or put me in a jail because of words i say is colloquially termed by some free speech but it's free speech has become this other thing where platforms are obligated to broadcast your shitty opinions or, you know, that people can speak up in a auditorium when you're trying to listen to a lecturer and, and engage in protest. No, no, I, I don't agree with that. So I just wanted to be clear about those terms, right. And about, I, I think I largely agree with you about the idea of universal human rights. I think like the declaration of human rights that the UN put out, for example, is a, is silly and and contradictory it, it can't doesn't even make sense it, because of the examples you said about free speech you know free speech is what does that even mean like if we're in a conversation right now um like i, I think it makes sense to have rules that when i'm speaking you don't speak and when you're speaking i don't speak like we take turns like we're not both speaking all at once because you know anyways uh you know, I think so. Again, I mean, I, that's what's interesting to me. I think we agree on a lot of things. I think we're very similar, and I think you know, libertarians and communists. Again, I think there's a lot of things we have in common, and I think um, you know, I, I think it needs you know, we need to have more of these discussions. So it's a great discussion. Um, you know, we you you did ask me a question. I haven't addressed. I I, I went around it a really long way. <laughs> But how does, you know, what gave Stalin the right to do what he did? So so that's an interesting question. And, and I, I don't really have a ready answer for it. Right. But I do understand that this idea that 
you know, um, you know, what you're really calling into question is the idea of the nation state. And I'm the first one to say, yeah, hey, the nation state is stupid, but that's that's the that's what exists right now. Like right. we what, what exists right now is, you know, humanity is divided up geographical locations with borders, nation states, individual governments representing those people. Is that the best way? No, but that's the reality within which we live. And so given that reality, that's what gave Stalin the right to do what he was going to what he needed to do. So he needed to upgrade and modernize the agricultural system of the Soviet Union, which was prone to cyclical famine. And he actually did that successfully. And it was unfortunate that it couldn't have been done in a different way. But I don't think Stalin gets all the blame for that. But that's my understanding of history. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and just, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around this. Okay. So, it, it is there a standard by which you'd say someone like that has gone too far, or is it kind of an ends justify the means type thing? Well, I mean, so we'll look at what Stalin. Like in my opinion, Stalin's motives were to um, benefit the vast majority by you know, abolishing this backwards agricultural system that was not capable of, of um, you know, furthering the right. kinds of industrial uh, pr- progress that, that, that needed to happen in the Soviet Union for it to withstand the impending, you know, fascist invasion um, and just the development that, that, that was going to take place. So, so, you know, Stalin's motives were good. And again, who do I, I mean... Right. And what what argument do you get? Do you give like yeah. when, um, when a fascist um, says Hitler, you know, I don't agree with everything, but let's put this into context. He was trying to do what was best for his people, given the environment. We had horrible conditions imposed by Weimar public and the the um, the the treaties or whatever the the sanctions, um, and. You know, they they had suffered a humiliating, unnecessarily brutal defeat in World War One, led by Western central banks and imperialist forces and all that sort of thing. And so uh, what Hitler did was necessary or, you know, it was for the good of the people. So <laughs> like, Jim, do you're you, do you cut that clip and you're going to be. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm going to be canceled so quick. No, but but. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, is there, would you make an argument against Hitler being, you know, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I, I hear, the, I guess the thing I'm getting at Billy Bob is I hear yeah. similar arguments coming from guys who describe themselves as fascists talking about singing Hitler's praises a little bit. Right. And, but no. what do you, what do you say to those guys? I mean, there's there's just a difference. Um, there's a difference in ideology. There's a difference in what they said, and so right. you know that's but why. That, I but I guess matters. that's what I'm uh, that's what I'm trying to get at here, or to really try to hone in on is okay. what what is that the standard? And so for for example, I heard from you, um, I heard from you that he was trying to do what's best for the people. He needed to modernize. Um, modernize agriculture or something like that right that was a necessary thing that he needed to do for i guess to to brace against the fascists well to end the famines to end the perpetual cyclical famines 
and perpetual cyclical fam famines, right? And, and um, you know, just to be able to support the industrialization that that needed to take place and was going to take place. But um, okay, so, so what, what? 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 How would we encapsulate that then, or what would we say? So he's he's allowed to be a strong arm and, and steamroll some uh, collateral damage. Let's say let's let's use a. Uh, military industrial complex term here um, to to achieve these kind of noble ends or necessary ends um, it is and then I guess the question is well how do we know what necessary ends are in advance and it, I mean it's I guess we're judging it back through the lens of history and you're you're able to say with some degree of confidence now well those were necessary ends but how could anyone have known then those were necessary ends and how would we know what necessary ends are now by some strong man leader like trump or someone else who comes into power and says we need to do that do x y and z and there's going to be some collateral damage but must be done it's a good question i mean what what um again i'm always attacking this idea because you presuppose that we should have some universal basis for judging everything consistently all the time. And I think that's just a ridiculous assertion that liberalism makes that has no place right. in the real world. So that's right. just a fact of life. Like you're not going to have any certainty. You've, you know, that's life. You've got to inform yourself to the context. You got to take a side. And I mean, to think that, you know, you can have some kind of philosophy that's going to, you know, predetermine, um, every good or bad thing, you know, from the comfort of your armchair. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, yeah. No. No. I, that's that's fair. I, I, I'm just. I, I just used something you said there. Um, made me think I, uh, where I was misunderstanding you. You said yeah, you need no, to pick. You need to pick a side. So is it? Is it? Okay. So listen. Here's the two sides. Fascist right. that says uh, the Aryans are supreme. Jews are, are subhuman, blacks are subhuman, communists are just, it's just a fucking Jewish plot for world domination, or, yeah. hey, workers of the world unite and overthrow the dictatorship of capital. Right. So I think in this country right now, we need to overthrow the dictatorship of capital because I think that our country is governed, the entire Western, um, all Western countries are governed by this, um, uh, well, the wealthy elites. So, yeah. so, so, so I think the same ruling class that we have now is the same one that Stalin was able to ally with against the fascists. But I also think the fascists were the creation of the Western ruling establishment to yeah. defeat against the threat of socialism and actual democracy. So, given these two forces, right. uh, Tim, it's not hard for me to choose which force I support. Okay, so, let me ask you this. this uh, but this is context-based, right? Sure. And I'm not trying to be cheeky here or anything. I'm just changing please, the context please, a little please, bit. Please, okay, already... I'm trying. I'm just changing the context. You're you're in a you're in a prison. You're sentenced to prison, and you have a choice. You can join the white Aryan nation, fascist, Jew-hating, Hitler lovers, or you can uh, join the uh, I don't know the black uh, communist uh, workers news. who hate you by virtue of your skin color. Um, does that change your, your equation at all? Like, do you, do you join the fascists, like the gang that's going to protect you from the people that, that are going to kill you in the prison? Or do you join the, the people that you more closely align with philosophically? 
So, I mean, I mean, I, I kind of see what you're getting at here. Um, it's like, yeah, well, well, what I'm what I'm getting at is the, the the underlying principle there would be survival, right? Like you're probably going to go with the the hold your nose and go with like what what's going to help you survive so that you don't die. Yeah, no. Uh, so what I would say you're getting at is this um, this idea of do my own material selfish interests dictate, you know, um, which side I choose or am I, do I have an option to maybe not, you know, look at things in my own material self-interest and look at the broader picture and, and make a principled judgment based on the, you know, on the bigger picture. So I understand that a lot of, um, you know, people that had to have their farms, ex, um, what's that word? Expropriated, expropriated by, yeah. by Stalin. Um, you know, it wasn't in their material interest to side with Stalin or to, to go with, you know, Stalin's program. And unfortunately they chose instead to go to war with, and again, we're, we're using Stalin as a stand-in for the communist party of the Soviet Union. So, right. um, it's just, it's just, it's just irresponsible to say that, you know, these were decisions Stalin was making right, by himself. Right. Sure. So it was an entire, um, you know, entire government and there was debates and there was, you know, there was uh, unanimity on the path forward. So it's, you know, even there's a declassified CIA things, you know, explaining that Stalin was not a dictator. He, he tried to resign multiple times and was, was turned down. But in any, any event, we, we tend to just, you know, digress to that kind of dis discourse. But um, the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, I mean, you know, they had an option. They could, okay, well, we're just going to, you know, continue with these regular famines and we're going to continue to live in this non-progressive um, you know, backwards country that had been, you know, basically run to the ground by the czars where, you know, just tremendous poverty. Um, or, you know, we, we have a vision of progress and we're going to work towards this vision. And unfortunately, if you are going to be one of the minority people who aren't on board and are going to fight against us, well, that's your choice. And we're not going to, we're not going to surrender to you. So that's, that's the thing. What choice did they have? You know, hmm. as as a responsible government of the Soviet Union, what choice did they have to surrender to a backwards agricultural system and let these, you know, the owners of the 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 farms and the uh, you know um, agriculture and livestock let them, you know, keep progress from having so so again in that way? I mean, you know, that's that's one of the reasons why right. I see this whole discourse about anti-authoritarianism um kind of kind of inane because i think that you know if you're going to be anti-authoritarian you're going to allow you know one percent point one percent point zero 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 one percent of the population to hold a veto over any kind of progress you're going to want to make as a government for the vast majority so i, I just don't see um that authoritarianism is hmm. It's, it's even possible to maintain a society without a degree of authoritarianism. And it's not okay. authoritarianism for the sake of authoritarianism, but um, it's it's just a necessary component of having laws, which are also you know necessary for society to function, and law enforcement. So, uh, you know, um, I'm just touching on a lot of the things uh, that, you know, I touch on in these, in these right. groups, but Luckily, yeah. you are a way more patient and a very good <laughs> well, listener. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm picking up. I'm just trying to pick up. I'm really, I'm really making a concerted effort here to 
uh, understand your, your point of view. And, you know, I got to admit, it's like, it's kind of challenging because there, there are triggering things in this, right? Like, um, you know, my, my family was almost killed. Right. And so uh, where my mind goes is, and I know this isn't what you're doing, but where my mind goes in, in the conversation is, well, this guy is, is saying that my family had, had to die if they stood in the way of Stalin's plans and that that was, was just something that would have to happen. And, and, um, I'm oh, that that's a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> that's a hard pill to swallow. I got to be honest with you that my family is disposable in that way for these plans. I mean, you know, then it raises questions about, okay, well, how, how do you define progress and how is this a good thing? And then I guess we could, you know, uh, but I, I want to stay away from this and, and the audience I've, I'm sure is probably screaming right now, like uh, call them out on the, the, the uh, starvation and the, the agriculture. I, I'm, what I'm what I'm trying to do here, audience, is is steel man his position. Okay, I want to really understand it, and I, and I'm actually going to assume that he's right about this, and that it was background, and there was cycles of famine, and um, and and go with that, um, because I, I'm still not convinced that that justifies what Stalin did. I don't think it justifies modernized. I don't think it justifies steamrolling a bunch of unfortunate collateral damage because those were people and you know that that then could justify all sorts of evil evil shit and how would we argue against it if on the one hand we're saying well it's it's good in this sense but bad in that sense but, but tim what about um it's just you know the suggestion that what's happened in the ussr isn't any different than what happens in every country every day yeah. everywhere yeah. for the last thousands of years so right. again, um, I, and, you know, the, and but this is what libertarians uh, are against, right? I mean, this is kind of the core of our thing: is that well, the steamroller can't happen anymore. People can't be, can't, be people can't be means to some historical end or some central planner's um, utopian visions or something like that. Like that, that is a a recipe for disaster and dystopia in our estimation. Right, but. But to appreciate what I just said, so to to appreciate yeah, yeah. that, um, you know, that's not really how the discourse goes. That's not really what the discourse is, because the discourse doesn't appreciate and understand that, you know, the kinds of things that happened under Stalin are really no different than what happened in every country um, everywhere all the time. So, I mean, sure. maybe not to that extent, but those were unusual circumstances. I mean, it was the first successful, you know, uh, socialist revolution. There's all kinds of extenuating circumstances and context, but the idea yeah. that um, you know a, a minority of people who are materially going to be um, their material interests are going to be affected in a harmful way to benefit the interests of the vast majority, you know, the idea that those people should have a veto over progress, I think is um, is to me, it's not anything I'm going to endorse. Like I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take it on a case by case basis. I'm going to look at the context. Um, and so the, my, my main context well, that's in, good. In looking at everything is the, you know, the context of class struggle. So I mm. remember you talked with Manuel on the last podcast and you talked about how feudalism gave way to a capitalist revolution. Well, guess, guess who was put out in the capitalist revolution? Well, the fucking feudalists, right? Like yeah. should the, have gotten the pass and said, hey, you're aggressing against us. You can't aggress against us. 
Um, you know, it's it's a no, violation of your own ethos. So, yeah. so, so, so there's always going to be a minority who are going to resist progress because they're happy with the status quo because they're beneficiaries right. of the status quo. And the point is to yeah. progress into a better situation, into a better system that benefits, you know, the vast majority or that's, that's better in some arguable, you know, way that can be quantified. And so I think, I mean, Stalin undoubtedly did that. Like what, what the Soviet Union was able to accomplish, um, I, I, I mean, is impressive. And I mean, I, I know um, a lot of people are not aware of that or going to argue that. But and then and then I think China, China is the coup de grace because China did everything um, that the Soviet Union did only quicker. And they're still going and they're doing it even better. But that's a whole nother that's a whole nother kind of work. Right. Tim. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. You're open up to a bunch of stuff. I mean, look. Uh, I I typically don't like to argue or or debate like history. Like I think your understanding of history is vastly different than mine. And now I could have just been propagandized. I might have got everything wrong. It might not have been tens and hundreds of millions of people that died under these communist regimes. Maybe maybe it would have been more if it hadn't been for these dictators that did or these these leaders that did the necessary thing to save their country. Um, I, and I'm not exactly sure what you're arguing about, but uh, like to, to me, that's such a, uh, I, I can't wrap my head around arguing from pragmatism when we're talking about nation states and what they should do. Like to me, it's, it's just too abstract. I don't understand the concrete. So I like to get, get down to kind of the nitty gritty of things and understand you know, because you're throwing around words like progress and class struggle. Okay. And those are things I, I don't know what you mean by those. And and I, I just want to pause you. I'm not asking you to explain those right now because we're, we're an hour and 10 into this. And what I thought would happen is happening. I'm running into cognitive bandwidth issues uh, coming off a night shift. And we got a ton more to talk about. And we got more episodes in the podcast. So I, I hope you'll come back on Billy Bob. I, I want to pause it here. Uh, pause our conversation. I don't want it to end. I've enjoyed this. You've really been challenging my brain here, uh, but I want to come back to you fresh and and really dive into some of these things. Um, would you be? Are you still open to it? Have I? Oh, have of we... course, of course. Okay. Uh, no, and I can only give you um, respect and appreciation for the way you've engaged with me, <laughs> and um, you know the respect you give me. I mean, I understand that these are. Um, you know, definitely outside of the mainstream and they're tough for people to, to wrap their head around. Um, but yeah, it's hard. And, and maybe I'll, I'll, maybe part of this too is like, actually what would be really, I just realized what would be really helpful to me after like uh, audience, I'm going to, my plan is to go on Billy Bob's show and he's going to interrogate me the way I've been in interrogating him um, and, and really challenge me. I'm going to be way less respectful than Timmy. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, make me a little nervous, but okay, that's just good. But but at the end of it, um, I guess I'm going to be looking for the same feedback I'm offering to give you now about how I received your arguments and how, like, what's what are some of the obstacles to me to, to uh, really understanding and I, I, I grasping your position because I, I feel like I'm a long way off from that yet. And so I'm not even really ready to debate it at all because I don't even completely understand it. And, and I'm having a real hard time understanding it. Some of the obstacles are for me in this conversation. And I'm not saying that, um, 
these are even necessary things for you to be aware of or, or to improve on or change. It's just so when you're bringing up Stal, I already told you about the things that kind of triggered me when you were talking about Stalin and and just where my head goes um, with that, right? And then um, again, some of these things to my normie brain. I'm a, I'm a normie brain compared to yours. I'm I'm outside your bubble, and and so when you start throwing around things like, and then Mao was the pinnacle. I mean, this guy really nailed it home, and I'm like in my brain, I'm like, Mao, he's the worst of them. Like what, where, what is this guy on crack or, or whatever? Right. Cause it's so outside of my, the, the stuff I've digested in my life. Right. And the messages I've received. And so, yeah. um, I don't know what you can do about that. Uh, maybe what you did was the right way, but it's just something to put a note in and just to be aware of like, yeah, no, like, okay. Am I, I'm having a hard time getting through this because and following you because of where my mind works and the way yours is like, you're going into these big pictures, things, and I'm just trying to get down to brass tacks. Like what is ethical, what is moral and how do we determine that? And, and so all these kind of flowing terms that don't have clear definitions to me and boundaries and like, it's, it's hard for my brain to even wrap around. So that's, that's where I'm leaving the conversation, but I'm intrigued and I'm hungry for more and I'm um, confident we're going to make more progress in the next thing. And we, I think we've laid a good foundation, a good starting point. So thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. No problem. Let's talk after the show about uh, what time you'll be able to make my, my podcast. So Awesome. Sounds good. And uh, we'll, I'll definitely uh, promote that to my audience as well. Thanks, Billy. Thank you, Tim.